Ashley Brock, reading The Winter Soldier by Diana Palmer, Chapter 5. The first time she heard the noise at the window, Lisa thought it was a squirrel. The old house seemed to attract them. They often scurried over the roof and came leaping down into the limbs of the big pecan trees that surrounded the porches, but she usually didn't hear them in the wee hours of the morning and so loud that they woke her up. She tried to go back to sleep, but then the noise came again. This time it didn't sound like a squirrel. It sounded more like a window being forced open. Lisa slipped out of bed in her sweatpants and with and white cotton top hesitated at the door that led into the hallway. The noise had come from the room next door, the one Walt had occupied for most of their married life. She heard a faint rubbing noise, like one a man might make climbing in a window. Her heart began racing, and she dashed down the hall in her bare feet, down the wooden steps, and into the kitchen. Her glasses were still in the nightstand drawer by her bed, and she could barely make out familiar objects in the dim light. She was headed for the back door when she was caught and lifted, and a big gentle hand was clamped over her mouth while she struggled pitifully in an embrace of steel. It's all right, Sai whispered in her ear. It's all right. We know there's someone trying to break in upstairs. Micah's repelling from the roof down to the window of the room across the hall. They'll have him in a minute. Don't scream. Or he'll give all the warning he needs to get away, okay? She nodded, eased her back onto her feet, taking her soft weight against the black sweater he was wearing with black jeans, one lean arm holding her just under her breast. She saw the glimmer of metal in his other black-gloved hand. Her frightened eyes drifted up to his face, and all she could see of it was his eyes. He was wearing some sort of black mask. While she was studying him, she heard a loud thud, followed by a louder groan. All clear came a loud, deep voice from upstairs. Stay here. Sai let her go and went past her and up the staircase with an economy of motion that made her very glad she wasn't the enemy. She leaned back against the counter and almost jumped out of her skin when the back door opened and Eb Scott came in pulling his mask off, grinning. Sorry, he said quickly, but the man Sai had staying in the bunkhouse spotted two suspicious figures outside your window. Unless you're expecting Romeo, it's a bit late for social calls. I was asleep, she said, shaking. I heard the noise and thought it was a squirrel. I was trying to get out the back door when Sai grabbed me. She whistled. I thought my number was up. Good thing you sleep late, Eb said solemnly. We barely got here in time. Who is it, do you think? She asked. One of Lopez's goons, Eb told her flatly. And this definitely confirms our worst fears. Lopez is after you. But I didn't do anything, she said, still shaking from the experience. Why is he after me? She brushed back the long, tangled curtain of hair from her flushed cheeks. She felt sick. He's going to set an example for anybody else who might consider trying to infiltrate his organization, Eb told her. It doesn't matter what you did or didn't do. He doesn't care. Your husband betrayed him, and he wants you to pay for it, too. He wants all the government agencies to know the price for selling him out, their lives, and their families, too. The fear made a tight knot in the pit of her stomach. She sank down into one of the kitchen chairs with a protective hand over her belly. She felt twice her age. She heard heavy footsteps on the staircase and out the front door before Sai came back into the room, tearing off his mask. He looked even more formidable than usual, and that said something about his present demeanor, Lisa thought. Micah's taking the guy over to the sheriff, he said. 
He suddenly doesn't speak English, of course. And his friend lit a shuck while he's breaking into the house. We won't be able to prove a thing beyond the obvious. He'll be out on bond by tomorrow afternoon and out of the country an hour later, Ebenezer added. Sai's expression was homicidal before he turned his glittering green eyes on Lisa. You can't stay here a day longer, he said fatly. Lopez doesn't make the same mistakes twice. You've been put on notice. The next time, there won't be a near miss. She ground her teeth together. This is my ranch. I haven't sold it to you yet, and I'm staying here. She said furiously. I'm not going to let some sleazy drug kingpin force me into hiding out like a scared kid. Commendable courage, Cy remarked with a stoic expression. He reached into his belt and pulled her, pulled out something. Here. He tossed her his automatic. She caught it and then dropped it with a gasp of horror. You better pick it up and learn to shoot straight and under fire, he said coldly. You better learn to shoot to kill while you're at it. Besides that, he indicated the gun is the Besides that, he indicated the gun is the only way you'll survive if you insist on staying here alone. We were almost too late tonight. Next time we might not be so lucky. She glared at him, but she didn't argue. I hate guns. Good God, so do I, said the but when you get in when you get in a war, you don't throw potatoes at the enemy. Then what do I do? She asked I. So I told her. Go pack a bag. You're leaving. Leaving for where? She ran and set it up with both hands on her hips. I told you already. I've got no family, no close friends, and no place to go to. Yes, you have. The expedition's outside. I'll send Harley over in the morning to pick up your VW and bring it over, too. Her dark eyes widened. It didn't help much. Her glasses were upstairs on the bedside table, and all she could see of Si was a blur. I can't go home with you. I've only been widowed a short time. I've only been widowed three years, he reminded her. So what? I can stay with Callie Kirby. Callie's apartment isn't big enough for Callie, much less Callie and you, he said. I've got three bedrooms. You can even have a bathroom of your own. She didn't want to give in, but the memory of someone trying to break in the house scared her. She knew that she couldn't shoot an intruder that left her few options. When you make up your mind, I'll be in the truck, Sai told her. He actually walked out the door and followed him with an amused grin that he didn't let Lisa see. Lisa glared after him, hesitant and bristling with her hurt pride. But in the end, she went upstairs, changed into jeans and a shirt, and packed a small bag. Ten minutes later, he opened the door of the utility vehicle so that she could climb in with her tote bag. If Harley so much as grins, I'll kick him in the shins, she said after she fumbled her seat belt together. So will I, so I promised her. She glanced at him from the warm folds of her flannel linen den denim jacket. Would you have shot that man? If there hadn't been another way to stop him, yes. I couldn't shoot anybody, she said. I know. That's why you have to stay with me until we get a Lopez. He laughed. It won't be so bad. I can cook. So can I. Good. Fair division of labor. He glanced at her with a faint smile. When the baby comes, we'll take turns getting up for his meals. She felt a warm glow wash over her. She smiled. Her. Oh, I wouldn't want to sleep if he was hungry. She mused dreamily. I'd get up, too. He remembered his wife complaining bitterly about lost sleep, making formula, giving bottles. She hated everything to do with the baby and couldn't begin to understand his affection for the tiny little boy who wasn't even. He closed his mind to the anguish that memory foretold and concentrated on his driving and said, Apparently, sized men were asleep in the bunkhouse because the ranch house was quiet when they arrived. 
helped Lisa out of the vehicle and carried her suitcase into the house. You'll probably like this room. It faces the rose garden, he added with a smile. She looked around at the simple, old-fashioned room with its canopy doubled bed and gauzy white curtains and white furniture. It's very pretty, she murmured. The house belonged to an elderly woman who was the last living member of her family, he said. She had to go into a nursing home. I learned the history of the house from her. It belonged to her father, who was one of the better-known Texas Rangers. She raised two kids and three grandkids here. One of her grandsons was a congressman, and another worked for the U.S. Secret Service. She was very proud of them. Is she living in Jacobsville? He nodded. I go to visit her every other week. You might like to go along occasionally. She's a walking history of Texas. <laughs> I'd like that. She was studying him with open curiosity. He looked so different in that stark black outfit that she wondered if she would even have recognized him if she'd seen him on the street. Her husband and bad had been in law enforcement, but even he hadn't looked as dangerous as I parks in commando gear. It looked in an eyebrow. Sorry, she murmured with a shy smile. He looked different, that's all. Think of it as a covert ops business suit. He mutes the object is to blend in with the night. Oh, you did that very neatly. See you at each other. Get some sleep. There won't be anybody to bother you here, and you can sleep as late as you like. She murmurs, what about puppy dog? What? Puppy dogs. He said he's all shut up on the back porch. I'll fetch him at daybreak, he said, but if he eats one of my chickens, he's dog bones too. Got that? <laughs> You've got chickens? Five. He said, Rhode Island Reds. I like fresh eggs. She smiled. I like them too. A woman after my own heart. He moved toward them. The windows are electronically wired, by the way. He added with the doorknob in his hand. If anyone tries to open them from the outside, They'll think we've been bombed. That's reassuring. So it is, sleep type. You too. Experiment. Don't get up until you want to. I'll haul puppy dog over here at daybreak. He likes to chew up things, said Rude. You shouldn't let him eat. You shouldn't let him eat heating pads while we're on the subject. He can reach the shelf if I keep them on, she said. I didn't realize it until I saw him jump up to pull it down, but then I'd lost two and I thought I'd left them on the sofa. She shook her head. He's already very tall. His father Moose is almost five feet tall when he stands on his hind, leg, hind legs. He'll be good protection for you when he's trained. He seems to be training me, she said on a whisper breath. I'll take care of that night. She smiled. Thanks for rescuing me. I had good help, he told her. She's staring after him, even when the door closed. Her life had just gone up two notches on the complications scale. She forced herself not to think of how hungry he'd made her the night they'd gone to Houston to the opera, or of how much she'd like being close to him. He'd been very standoffish since, so it was obvious that he didn't like the same taste of her. Didn't like the small taste of her he had. She was safe with him, safe, pregnant, and a widow. She shouldn't be thinking about kissing Sai. This out made her uncomfortable, but she slept soundly all night long. Harley walked in the kitchen door with a wicker basket full of eggs and a disgusted look on his face. Stopped short when he saw Lisa in jeans and a sweatshirt with her dark blonde hair and an unruly bun making coffee. She gave him a challenging look back. Where's Sai? she asked. Gone to town to have his truck cleaned. <laughs> that sounded intriguing. Does he do that a lot? Only when dogs throw up in it. Oh, dear. She said, seems your puppy doesn't like to go for rides. <laughs> he murmured with a grin. With a basket of eggs on the table. He's out in the barn with the boxes calling. I didn't know say he had a dog. He didn't know he had one either until he got run over a week before last, he remarked. 
picked it up and took it to the vet. It was a stray that somebody had put out, half starved, full fleas, almost dead from lack of care. Amazing what some dog shampoo, flea medicine, regular meals, and attention can do for a mangy old cur. He should have said, for a hard-nosed man, he sure has some soft spots. He'll never make it a make a soldier, let me tell you. He held up a head, which started, don't tell him I said that. He had it. pays me a good salary, and he's a fine man to work for. Can't help it if he isn't exactly G.I. Joe. Considering what he's been through, I guess he's got some grit in him somewhere. She almost bit her tongue through trying not to tell Harley what she knew about his soft-centered employee but that was side business and she didn't want to get on his bad side when she only arrived. I rode over to your place with the boss and drove your little VW back with me. It's in the garage. None of my business. Are you staying a while? He asked her. I guess so, she said. She poured coffee and she got, a man broke into my house last night, so I let me come over here. Broke into your house? Why? She grew pensive. My husband was an undercover DEA agent, she told him. He was infiltrating a drug lord's organization when he was exposed and executed. Apparently, the drug lord likes to set examples, like wiping out whole families of people who oppose him. I'm on his list. And then he sure came to the right place. Harley said with a beaming ring, as it happens, you'll be safer here than anywhere else in the country, except maybe with Ebenezer Scott. He seemed to stand two feet taller. I was in the Army Rangers for two years, and I've had commando training. Nobody can slip by me. I can tell you how much better I feel knowing that, she said, smiling pleasantly. You don't look good. Well, I'll get back to my chores. Glad you're okay, Miss... Mrs. Monroe. He cracked the tip in his hat on his way out. Thanks for bringing my car. It's no problem. He shot a grenade back at her as he left. She sat down at the kitchen table beside the eggs and shook her head. He didn't have a clue what was going on. His life was apparently so dull that he couldn't live without the illusion of bravery. She wondered how he would respond to a real threat and hoped she never had to find out. He seemed a nice sort of man, but she had a feeling that he wasn't quite as formidable as he made out. So I came in for lunch, helping himself to bread, mayonnaise, and luncheon meats, while Lisa poured iced tea into tall glasses. I can make sandwiches, she offered. He gave her a grin. I'm used to doing it myself. Want a couple? Just one, thanks. She read and sat down at her place beside his at the small table. I'm sorry about puppy dog messing up your truck. His eyebrows looked at under the shovel back. I told you. Harley, she gave him a gamey look. He said that he'd be glad to protect me from potential attackers, seeing as how he's a trained commando. <laughs> I chuckled up. I was his age once. Seems like 50 years ago now. She put her elbows on the table and propped her chin on her hands, watching him make samples. Did you swagger too? Probably. At least I did until I saw combat for the first time. Nobody tells you that people scream when they get shot. On television, they just grunt or groan and hold the part that's been shot. She said, it's a lot more vivid in real life. Were you afraid the first time? I was afraid every time. He corrected with a level stare. Only a fool pretends he isn't. You learn to face the fear and deal with it, just like everyone else does. It's difficult, isn't it? Difficult to watch people die, yes. He told her. Difficult to live with what you do, too. I remember a young boy in Africa who was fighting the rebels. He carried a carbon in his hands and ammunition belts that probably weighed more than he did, strapped around his chest. His name was Juba. He smiled as he were. He had a passion for chocolate bars. We always had a few in our packs, just a taste of something sweet to remind us of civilization. 
One day, Juba ran ahead of us into a building the rebels had just evacuated. We hadn't swept it for traps. He wouldn't stop when we tried to warn him. He broke a trip wire right in the doorway and blew himself up. His hands hesitated on the knife as he spread mayonnaise on the bread. His eyes were solemn, but he didn't die right away. He had been. We gave him morphine from one of our medical kits, and I sat under a silk cotton tree with him in my arms and talked to him until he died. His eyes flew back to his desk. He was 11 years old. She was. That's very young to be fighting a war. He already lost his parents and two sisters in the crossfire. He recalled. He was alone in the world, except for us. We thrown in with the government forces. They were overwhelmed by the rebels and advised, advertised for mercenaries. My unit went in. I started with 30 men, came back with three. He pa passed her plate with a sandwich on it and started making two more for himself. The rebels took over the capital and formed a government of their own. It stood for two months before outside troops joined forces with the overthrown government, moved in, and took back possession of the country. Before they did, 10,000 people were shot or blown up in the streets. I'm sure I wouldn't make a good soldier, even if Harley thinks he would, she remarked openly. I wanted to make enough money to retire while I was still a young man, he mused. I plan to come back home, buy a ranch, get married, and settle down. He finished his own sandwiches, took a sip of his icy. He had almost worked, but along the way, I helped the government agency get hard evidence on that drug lord Lopez, he said, searching her eyes. As I mentioned a while back, he had my house in Wyoming set on fire. The hitch was my son was supposed to be rescued before the incendiary device was placed. Lopez's henchman didn't think one kid, more or less, would matter. He traced an invisible pattern on his coffee mug. The only consolation I had was that Lopez had the assassin eliminated for the slip-up. He doesn't kill children. I'm so sorry. She murmured watching him. So am I, but all the regrets in the world won't bring back that little boy. His face was harder than rock. She touched it with her eyes. You can help me take care of my little boy. He glanced at her. What makes you think it's a little boy? Wishful thinking, I guess. I love baseball and soccer and working around the ranch. I know girls can do those things, too, but I'd love a son. You'd love whatever you get, he chimed. Yes, I would. She grimaced. What's the matter? I don't know. And she laughed nervously. I have these mild cramps sometimes. I read a book about being pregnant, and it said some women have fleeting cramps during early pregnancy. He's grown. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> she picked up her sandwich. Maybe it's just nerves. It's been a rough few weeks. <laughs> sure it has. But if those cramps get any worse, you go see a doctor. I will. After lunch, she took her out to the huge, airy barn to see Puppy Dog, who was comfortably contained in a huge stall with a drain in the concrete floor and fresh wheat straw, making a comfortable place for him to sleep. Hello, Puppy Dog, she said, going into the stall to pet the frisky, enormous puppy. Did you miss me? She glanced past them at the clean containers of dog food and water and the dog toys liberally scattered along the wall. Maybe not, considering all the toys. Dog need, dogs need something to play with. Keep them active and healthy. I got a half dozen for Bob, too. Bob? He motioned to her. She gave Puppy Dog a last hug. Went out of the stall. He whined for a minute and then went back to pick up a ball he liked. In the stall next was a huge white and tan collie with an intelligent face and soft brown eyes. There were still traces of malnutrition in the coat, but Bob was beginning to shape up into a beautiful animal. He's a doll. She sits smiling. She's a doll. She hesitated. 
turned, raised her eyebrows. She's a doll, he repeated. Bob is not a female name. If boy can be named Sue, a girl dog can be named Bob. <laughs> he listened to too many Johnny Cash songs, she accused with a chuckle. He's great, isn't he? Yes, a boy named Sue was great, but I loved everything he ever recorded. I have two of his albums myself, she confessed. He grinned. I knew you had good taste. She liked the way his eyes twinkled when he smiled. He was something of a curiosity around town because he had a reputation for being a hard case and unsociable. But here, on his home ground, he was relaxed, pleasant, even amusing. She wondered how many people ever got to see the sight of him. Probably not many. What happened to that man who broke into my house? She asked abruptly. Sheriff's got him locked up, he told her. We left the crowbar right where he dropped it. The man wasn't even wearing gloves. There are enough fingerprints on it to convict him. He'll make bond, of course, and then he'll go home. Home? He turned to her. A man wearing an Armani suit drove up here a few days ago and introduced himself as my new neighbor. There's a honey packing warehouse on my border, but it's not honey. They're distributing, if you understand what I mean. She still drugs? Raw cocaine, he replied. Or rather, cocaine paste, at least. That's what we suspect. They're stocking stockpiling in our warehouse. Here in Jacobsville, she gasped. Right here, he said. Then tell the sheriff and let him send some men out to arrest the owners. They won't find cocaine if they do, he said carelessly. In fact, I bet my boots that they'll phone in a tip about themselves just to all out there to check around. And while they're checking, all the honey in the jars will be real honey, and even a drug-sniffling dog won't find a trace of cocaine. Having searched the place once and found nothing, local law enforcement will logically hesitate before they go back out there a second time, at least not without some concrete evidence of malfeasance. It's easy to get sued for harassment, and believe me, Lopez would howl at the idea of taking our sheriffs to court over it. You sound very cynical, she told him. I know how these people operate. In my checkered past, I've dealt with drug dealers, gun runners, diamond strugglers, hitmen. Her eyes were growing wider by the second. You outlaw you! Count on it, he told her. I did what the job called for. Wars make strange bedfellows. Gotta have guns and ammunition, you know, not to mention explosives, communications equipment, medicines. You can't walk into the nearest superstore and buy those. You can buy guns, she began. Registered guns, he emphasized. They're required by law to do a background check before they sell a gun. And there's a waiting period. If you know where to go, you can get everything from Uzis to C4 and no waiting. I had no idea, she murmured, shaking her head. It's almost impossible to shut these drug cartels down. They are run on a corporate structure. And in a sense, they're multiple national corporations. They have a hierarchy, complete with divisional managers and regional distribution networks. When you understand the way they work, you'll also understand why it's such an uphill battle. You can't arrest every gang member in the country. That's what it would take to stop it. And even then, he added, there would still be dealers. You know why? Because where, there, where's there, where there's demand, there's supply. As long as there are people willing to pay for illegal drugs, there will be people who sell them. That's very demoralizing, she pointed out. Of course it is, but you can't fight a war unless you know the enemy. Every time we shut down one of these cartels, we come one step closer to cutting off the supply. It's discouraging to see the statistics, but there are a lot of de dedicated people trying to stop the drug trade. I like to think that one day, 
they'll succeed. I'd be very happy if they could put Mr. Lopez someplace where he can't shoot me. She told him. Well, at least, he said, we've got you someplace where he can't. Now eat that sandwich, waste not, want not. She laughed softly a bit into the sandwich. End of chapter 5.